It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. T-Wolves let one slip away in San Antonio tonight, and I got Wolves expert Jack Borman. He's going to help us break it all down, and it's all coming up next on the Lockdown Wolves Postcast. You are Locked On Wolves Postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's up? Back in the lab, back at it. Another T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man, Jack Borman. He's on Twitter, at JRBorman13. And Jack, before we get into all the action from tonight, quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner, the NBA. Right now, new customers, you're getting $150 in bonus bets with any, I mean any, $5 bet, $150 when you bet just five. Check it all out. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on NBA. Woo! Got to take a deep breath here. Uh, here we go, man. Tough one to swallow. You're up 15 at one point playing a team in, in late January that still doesn't even have double digit wins, bro. And once again, the Wolves, a common theme here the last week or two, even even when they win, man, just kind of falling apart in the fourth quarter, making these things way too close at the end. They lose to the Spurs tonight, 113-112. They drop the 32-13 and on the year. Let's just start at the beginning because this was this was such a wild game right from the jump. It was like somebody cued the circus music up right at the opening tip-off. Crazy pace right away from both teams, chucking the ball all over, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. And with that... Sports Center top 10 put back jam and and bats, bro. We got bats. What's that dumb and dumber line? I got worms. Well, tonight I got bats, bro. Like plenty to dissect and break down. I know you've got plenty to vent about, but let's just start with something light. What was more entertaining? Ant's video game sports center put back or watching a mascot chase around a bat with a net for two and a half minutes. I couldn't believe it. I apologize for these ESPN auto plays that we're getting going here on my side. But uh, yeah, I mean, first of all, the Spurs Coyote with the Batman costume. I, I loved the Jim and uh, Michael Grady caught that right away. And they were, were loving uh, it. Yeah, they were going were nuts. all over the, the Batman situation there. I, was it a planted bat? I, I don't know. Um, but I mean, just from that moment, I mean, one minute and one second into the game, you just knew that it was going to be uh, – you just knew that it was going to be kind of a crazy, chaotic, off-the-rails game um, right off the rip. But, but, man, that Anthony Edwards dunk, I think you got to go with that. That that I can't think of a better putback dunk I've seen. I mean, obviously, you know, it's hard to, you know, go through the Rolodex of, you know, putback dunks we've all seen in our For brains sure. right now. But, but that was that was certainly one of the best I've ever seen. Yeah, that was unbelievable. Um, Man, jumping around a little bit here. Just so much to go through. Uh, 
about nine minutes left, I want to say. They threw up a graphic up on Bally Sports if you watch the broadcast. The last four games, 75 combined points for the Wolves in the fourth quarter. That's the fewest in any four-game span by any team this year. I guess what's fallen apart the most here at the end lately because things just don't look and feel the same like they did early on. Like, what's the one thing at the top of the list you're like, that's what needs to be fixed ASAP, first and foremost, late in games? Because this was one of the best teams in clutch, clutch time all year. Uh, and the last few games, man, the fourth quarter, been a major problem. A lot of hiccups going on late in games. Confidence is the number one thing. Um, you know, I, I think. In this game specifically, uh, this loss, if we want to do, you know, who's getting the, this loss is 100% on Chris Finch. Um, you know, I think myself, Wolves, fan and Wolves fans in general have been pretty positive on Chris Finch this entire season. I think he's done a tremendous job. All the players really like him. We talked about it in the last game. Um, but some of these lineups, I mean, the lineups that he put out there specifically to start the second quarter. Um, he, he put out Jordan McLaughlin, Shake Milton, Kyle Anderson, Carl Anthony Towns, and Rudy Gobert. That that closing or that excuse me that group of five had played zero possessions so far this season. They lost eleven to four. They had four points on five shots, missed both their free throws, had three turnovers and zero assists. So that was in the second quarter. And then Chris Finch still thought it was a good idea to go back to that same lineup, except swapping Nas Reed in for Carl Anthony Towns to put even less spacing, um, you know, around the the Jordan McLaughlin, Shake Milton, Kyle Anderson, and Rudy Gobert uh, quartet. And they played just two minutes and 39 seconds together. Two points on four shots, two turnovers, one assist. They let San Antonio shoot four of eight from the field, I believe three of six from three. They allowed two offensive rebounds on the same possession, and the second one ended up in a, in a Doug McDermott three, and they lost 10-2, and it was a two-point game right away within the first two minutes and 39 seconds of the fourth quarter. And when that happens, when you're a coach, and you're and I don't even necessarily blame the players in that situation because that's a lineup that just has very limited shooting, not a whole lot of offensive confidence between uh, – Shake Milton, Jordan McLaughlin, and Kyle Anderson. Uh, it's just pretty hard to put those three guys on the floor together at the same time. I don't know if if that was Chris Finch kind of sending a message to the front office saying, "Hey, come help me out. I need more. I need more to work with than this, or not." Uh, but for Chris Finch to kind of put his players behind the eight ball like that, I think was just really poor coaching. Uh, and then beyond that, Chris Finch's body language on the sidelines looks awful every single fourth quarter when another team's making a run it's a lot of throwing his arms up in the air looking disgusted but it just kind of looks like a guy who has no control over what's going on on the floor and that's just not something that you want to see from your coach if you look at all the best coaches in the NBA all those guys look extremely composed in the fourth quarter even if their team's in the middle of a run they're not losing their cool they're not kind of looking mm -hmm. like they have no answers. They look confident. They, you know, call timeouts at the right time. Their their teams look organized after timeouts, and, and that didn't happen. And so I think as a coach, when your team is already struggling with confidence enough in the fourth quarter, and then you roll out that lineup, the timeouts you call are at weird times. You don't call any plays, really. The first play that I saw with my admittedly not incredibly trained eye uh, was that double drag screen for Anthony Edwards when they were down five 
uh, down, I believe it was 112, 107 that Ant dribbled into a, a pull-up three uh, to cut it back within two. That was the first really structured play that I saw the whole entire fourth quarter. So, um, yeah, for Chris Finch, it was the it was the kind of holy trinity of what not to do as a head coach in the fourth quarter. Put out a bad lineup that immediately allows uh, the, the other team to get some life. You don't call timeouts at the right time, and then you're not calling any plays to try to help get your guys the ball in places that they're confident in that they know they can score in, and that it's just really tough to win when that happens. Um, so we'll we'll see how they can try to remedy that in, in some capacity moving forward. But I think for any fan that that's really frustrated with Chris Finch tonight, especially, I, I think those feelings are certainly validated after what we saw in the fourth quarter. It, yeah. Well said, I know you guys recorded an episode of the basketball party on Wednesday, like you do every week. And, and, and Sam Ekstrom was trying to gauge the room as far as like how worried everyone was after losing to OKC and then Charlotte back to back. And I, I feel like you were one of the only guys who kind of stood up and basically said, Hey, let's pump the brakes here. Let's not overreact. Still a first place team at the time. Anyways, uh, you know, still a 30 win team here. Obviously you don't want to lose games, but the, the biggest things that are going wrong are fixable for the most part. They've got the talent and at their core, this is still a really good team. They're going to be fine. Bigger picture, I guess, how much has changed for you now that we've watched them, even in their wins, like the Wizards and Nets, like they, they just don't look like the same exact team that we're used to seeing. I guess, has your temperature changed at all with how this team's looked the last week or so? Like, are, are the nerves running thin yet, or are you still, you know, uh, hey, it's a long season, it's a grind, a lot of ebbs and flows and confident this is maybe just a, a, a speed bump or a phase and they'll bounce back just fine. Uh, so I just watched the Netflix movie called Dumb Money, which was about uh, the GameStop. Yeah, Robin shorting Hood the incident. stock and everything. Yeah, can't when, wait to watch uh, that. Yeah. you know, everybody was kind of sitting, should we hold? Should we hold? Should we sell and take right. our profits? What should we do? And right. everybody is kind of saying, we got to hold the line. We got to wait and see right. what, right. Uh, you know, what Katie's going to do, but we're going to hold the line. And uh, it's kind of one of those situations, right? That's a great, uh, if anybody's remotely interested in business or finance or uh you know, wants a, a fun Netflix recommendation to get this game out of their head. Once they're done watching this, I'd certainly recommend Love that. It. But, Love uh, it. But it, it's kind of reminds you of that, right? I, I think you, you want to have some faith and belief in what we've seen so far and all the positive return on investment we've seen, but you also don't necessarily want to let that stop you from kind of admitting to yourself what you're seeing. And I, I think again, it's, it's tough, right? Because you want to assume that you're going to have Mike Conley in the playoffs and that Mike mm -hmm. Conley will be there to help get things organized in a way, mm -hmm. just slow everything down, get the ball out of Ant's hands, run a play, something. And, and this is now, uh, what, the third game that they haven't had Mike Conley uh, at the controls in the in the fourth quarter, the Boston game, the, the Charlotte game, and now this game. Um, so – you have to you have to at least take that into account, right? That he's your most important floor organizer, uh, run and play guy that you have. Again, we mentioned on the last uh, basketball party that he, he's also their best spot up three point shooter, right? And so that certainly matters in terms of spacing, which has been a core issue for this team in the fourth quarter. But I'm concerned just with the confidence, right? I, I think it doesn't really matter which players you have on the floor when all those guys are 
kind of thinking about these last few games that they've had. And then you not only think about that, you think about the fourth quarter troubles they had all year last year for a lot of the guys that are still in the rotation that were in the rotation when that was going on. And then two years ago in the playoffs, they, you know, you blew a 25 point lead twice in, uh, in that Memphis series, which is pretty much unprecedented. And that's just kind of woven into the fabric of the Chris Finch, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns trio. And, and I think you're just reopening some of those old wounds. And I think it becomes a mental battle at a certain point, right? And so for fans that are clamoring for trades for a shooter or a backup point guard or uh, another scorer off the bench, uh, I don't necessarily know that that's going to remedy the issues that we're seeing right now. Because when it's a mental issue, right, there's not a whole lot that I can say or you can say or any of us can say of, hey, this is how you fix things, right? I, I think the only suggestion that I can offer is that you'd like to see more structure in the fourth quarter, whether that's starting everything the same way, right? Whether that's, you know, starting the ball, maybe it's in Carl Anthony Towns' hands and, and you get Anthony Edwards uh, off the ball to start and, and he has a handoff and it's kind of this handoff and pop where Carl's shooting and you at least, you know, make it tough for the defense to put two on Anthony Edwards and you get the ball moving or you get Ant ahead of steam going downhill instead of, you know, Ant walking the ball up the floor every single time and then just taking a Rudy Gobert screen and then it's eight seconds of dribbling, right? Like there's ways that you can get into the offense differently, even if you're not running a super, you know, detailed step one, step two, step three, step four play that ends in a desired result of we want to get a shot for Carl Anthony Towns, or we want to get a shot for Jane McDaniels or something like that. And we're just not seeing a whole lot of that, right? I, I mean, I haven't, obviously gotten a chance to go back and watch the film of this fourth quarter, but I'd imagine that more than half of the possessions that Anthony Edwards was in the game for was just him walking the ball up the floor and Rudy Gobert setting a screen and then not much else happening after that. I mean, wasn't that what you saw Oh yeah, in the fourth quarter? Oh, so I, I think for me, it's just varying the ways that you initiate the offense to at least make the defense work in different ways. If, if, you, if the defense is working in the same way, it's just a, a high ball screen for Anthony Edwards and he's dribbling and you know, three guys are just sitting there watching, not having to do any work, and you're still getting a stop. That's right. just going to feed the confidence for the other team more and more and drain the confidence of the Wolves. But then when you think about the fact that the other three guys on the floor, in this case, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Carl Anthony Towns, and Jaden McDaniels are barely even touching the ball in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. When the ball then does come to them, and it's even later on in the quarter, right, you're just out of rhythm. You know, it's really hard to make a shot when you haven't really touched the ball much for six, seven, eight, nine, ten possessions in a row, right? And then on the other end of the floor, you have the Spurs who made 10 shots in a row at one point in the fourth quarter. And some of them were really hotly contested shots. I mean, it's, it's just a confidence killer at that point on, on both ends of the floor. And, and until the Wolves are able to regain some semblance of confidence or you know, get it to 20, 25, 30 points at the end of the third quarter to where it is like almost statistically impossible for the other team to come back. Right. I, you know, I think that this could be a recurring problem for a little while until the Wolves are able to to overcome it. And I think if you want to poke holes in the Wolves, obviously you can, you can talk about this fourth quarter, but then you can also talk about the fact that the Wolves really haven't done a great job this season, despite how, you know, Good they have good they've been in, in terms of their offensive defensive efficiency for, for the whole game for the first three quarters. Uh, but they haven't really just blown out a ton of teams to a point where you can rest your starters for most of the fourth quarter and the game is 
pretty much out of question at the end of, th- of the third quarter. Because if the game's at 15, that's not really out of the question. I'm talking 25, 30-point right. lead, and we just right. haven't seen a whole lot of that this season. Is whereas- that them just letting off the gas then late in games, or is there I more think, to it than that? Do you I think? think it's really difficult for the Timberwolves to just string together. Uh, it's just not their identity. It's just not their M.O. Yeah, I think that they, they've had one really good quarter or one really bad quarter instead of three really solid quarters, if that makes sense. And that mm-hmm. makes it diff- where, you know, they still may win comfortably. They still may win by 14, 17 points, but uh, it, it's just not four quarters of sustained, really strong play. I think for the Wolves, it's more about a quarter and a half here, half a quarter there. Uh, and then the scoreboard is what it is at the end of the game, if that makes sense. It does. Uh, Plenty more deep dive from this one, including Nas Reed and Shake Milton coming off the bench and their impact tonight, what that'll look like. That's all coming up right after this. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by BetterHelp. What are some things you want to keep the same about yourself or about your life in 2024? Where are you already crushing it? Maybe try ditching all the New Year's resolutions and start expanding on what you already do right. Maybe that's Organizing the closet or the garage, I know that's something that I'm terrible about. Well, therapy can help you find your best strengths and maximize your own specific skill set so you can finally ditch the extreme resolutions. Instead, therapy can help you make changes that really stick over the long term once and for all. If you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your time frame. And it's so easy. Guys, all you got to do, Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. It's time to start celebrating the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, man. Um, you kind of touched on it already. I'm just curious, man. I, let's talk about the bench play here for a minute, you know, specifically Nas Reed and, uh, you know, Shake Milton. Hey, maybe the best game he's had since early December. Obviously, that's not saying much. The bar was super low. Some people in the stream, though, uh, saying maybe Finch was forced to play him because of the front office and they're maybe trying to pump up his trade value a little bit. I know you kind of already touched on it, but different rotations going on tonight um let's see there was uh gosh well maybe you know off the top of your head a little bit better instead of me spending time and trying to find them but just some weird rotations slow-mo j-mac nas rudy and shake like just some weird it's just stuff we haven't seen this year i just want you to break that down a little bit more in depth and and what you saw and what you think the mindset or game plan was from from some of those rotations and looks yeah, we talked about it the other night as well, um, and Andres has it there. That was the lineup that I talked about right off the top of them just you know, not yeah. giving them a chance in the fourth quarter to start the game. Yeah. But one lineup that I, I did like uh, that they got to was Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Shake Milton, um, Jaden McDaniels, Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert. You're just getting some more shooting in there around Shake Milton. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Rudy Gobert, which I really liked. Uh, we haven't seen that lineup very much. And then Another one that they played in the first quarter that I really enjoyed was was Shake Milton, Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, uh, Kyle Anderson, and Nasri. That was a plus seven. That was how they closed mm. um, closed that first quarter. Um, you know, pretty pretty much they were a plus seven, and that was when Ant kind of went nuclear. 
uh, you know, Nasri, that was part of that. I believe it was a, a 10-0 run uh, for the Wolves. It started on a, a Nasri three, and then you had the Ant dunk. You had a couple more uh, nice things from Ant. But yeah, for Shake Milton specifically, I, I definitely think that, uh, you know, Shake Milton is kind of the next guy up in the rotation anyways, even if Mike Conley is out, right? Because now that Jordan McLaughlin is in the rotation, Kiel Alexander Walker is already in the rotation. Um, it makes sense that those two guys are going to slot into that kind of number one and number two uh, kind of guard initiator spots. And they've kind of had three now in the rotation mm -hmm. for, for the last three weeks to a month, you know, whenever Jordan McLaughlin came back in the rotation. So it makes sense that then Shake Milt would kind of step into that Jordan McLaughlin role uh, of that reserve point guard. So I, I think it's part that, but I definitely think that, I definitely think that Shake Milton is is being played a little bit more ahead of the trade deadline. So other teams are kind of able to see what he's been able to, to do. Uh, you know, we've seen it now with the Clippers with Bones Highland playing a little bit after not playing for, for well over a month. Uh, so that's that's kind of a similar situation there ahead of the trade deadline. Uh, but it was really nice to see Shake Milton play probably his most productive stint that he's had in the last yep. month or so in that in that second, you know, late first quarter. Uh early second quarter when uh, I believe Shake Milton had, uh, I think he had seven points, uh, a couple of assists, uh, seven points on three of five shooting. He took a charge as well, right after he got in the game, which was really important. Um, and look like Shake Milton is a guy that's had a ton of NBA experience. Uh, he's played in the playoffs with Philly. He's been a really high floor guy for Philly for four years. And so I honestly kind of like, regardless of the trade deadline, trying to get back to Shake Milton a little bit. Uh, I think, you know, in, in some of these, I think he, he makes sense in a lineup that has a lot of spacing, right? So the lineup that I talked about where you have Ant, you also have Jaden, you also have Nas, right? You have three shooters around him. Uh, I really like that. But in the fourth quarter, right, when, when you're getting to a lineup that's got Jordan McLaughlin, uh, Nas Reed, or excuse me, Jordan McLaughlin, Rudy Gobert, and Kyle Anderson around them, I think that that's just really tough because Shake also is pretty good at driving, using his physicality and finishing inside. We saw a lot of that in Philadelphia. But there's just no spacing in a lineup like that for him to be able to do that. So I, I would really like to see Shake Milton, at least in between now and the trade deadline, you know, if they do decide to keep him in lineups with with guys like Carl and Nas Reed in, in the front court together, um, then maybe having a Kyle Anderson out there with him that can, you know, play playing a little bit of handoff action, playing a you know five out system or four round one with Kyle and the dunker, those types of things. Um, but but certainly I, I do think that him being back in the rotation has to do with uh, the trade deadline coming up and uh, and that. But it was also nice to see Nas Reed get back to looking like Nas Reed a little bit. He Definitely. had five points in, in three straight games. Yep. Uh, tonight had 13 points, uh, five of 12 shooting. Would, would like to see a little bit better efficiency inside the arc uh, as he was just three of seven inside the arc. But but he was really big in that fourth quarter. Had, had, a, couple of, had a couple of big shots, including a big three. Um, you know, had, had that really tough drive to just kind of break the seal off the basket, uh, help the Wolves to the first one go down. Uh, as a guy who's just not scared of anybody, not scared of any moment, isn't going to let his confidence waver. And so it's definitely one of those guys I think you'd like to have out, out there to try to help, uh, you know, stem the tide a little bit with some of this fourth quarter confidence issues. Um, but, but for the two of them, I mean, I think the Wolves had like 17 bench points in the first half. Uh, they only finished, they only had seven in the second half. And, and again, Kyle Anderson, four points on six shots and only had one assist. I mean, if Kyle Anderson's not really going to be, you know, moving the ball, getting everything going, organizing things, having assists like he has been recently, I think he's had like a 16 to two, um, 
assist to turnover ratio the last three or four games, which is obviously great where you don't need him to score as much. But if you're not getting that playmaking and you're not getting the scoring, then it's just really tough to play him, honestly, regardless of how good his defense is, uh, just with how bad the Timberwolves spacing has been in some of these lineups. And again, another another thing, I don't know if anyone in the chat has talked about this, but Troy Brown Jr. not really being in the rotation at all um, yeah. tells, tells me a couple of things. It tells me I don't think the Timberwolves are looking to trade him at the trade deadline if they're mm-hmm. not already playing him kind of a la shake like we were talking about earlier, but, but they need more spacing. And, and the fact that uh, you know, some of these lineups, I understand that Finch is prioritizing defense and understandably so, since that's the identity of this team, but Troy Brown Jr. played pretty darn well when he was yeah. in the rotation for the, for the most part over that, you know, two, three week span, you know, late, uh, November and early December. And, you know, he's a guy that's, you know, professionally has been in the league seven or eight years now. Um, even though he's still pretty young, uh, a guy that you can totally trust to come in and, and make a couple of shots or, or make the right plays, help get the ball moving, attack closeouts, kick to the opposite corner, those types of things. And so uh, the fact that he hasn't gotten a look, even in some of these games where they just really need more offense is a little bit puzzling to me. And again, adds to this layer of of Chris Finch in the rotations and and some things we'd certainly like to see get cleaned up here moving forward. How about Ants tonight? I know you already touched on it, but uh, okay, he had a couple turnovers in the second half that you know he wants back. Goes into halftime, though, 6-1 to one assist to turnover ratio. Love to see that. Lights out from the floor, just super efficient every time he touched the ball. 66% field goal percentage. And then you add in the rebounds on top. with six. It was just awesome. At 32 points, 12 assists, 6 boards total. Sports center dunk of the night. But when you lose the game, and he'll be the first to tell you this, none of it matters. What's with the recent hesitation going on in the fourth quarter. I know you just preached confidence. It feels like this whole team's lost some confidence. Um, but why would Ant, out of all people, lose his confidence? I, I guess maybe I'm oversimplifying things. But just talk to me about you know his great shooting night, obviously, but how much more aggressive you'd like to see him be late in those games in the clutch moments. Yeah, I think for me, another way to put it is confidence in the process, right? You know, sure. if you're a football yeah. player and you don't have a whole lot of confidence in the plays that are coming into your helmet, right? or the plays that are coming in the huddle, right? You're probably not going to, you're probably not going to play as well. And I think the Timberwolves just don't have any confidence in their process right now. I think Anthony Edwards is, is just pressing too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was certainly not the case uh, for Ant in the fourth quarter tonight. I don't think, you know, he was the reason at all why they lost. Yeah. I don't um, want to interrupt you, but has something changed then in the process? You know, you equate it to football. I know football a little bit better. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, all right. So they changed the game plan this week or, you know, on a game to game night basis, things change. Is, is that what it was? I think it's, you know, plays when, you know, in the fourth quarter, right? You're playing not to lose instead of playing to win, right? The Vikings had a lot of situations. They're up 10, 14 points, second half. And Kevin O'Connell just ran a bunch of let's play not to lose football calls instead of, you know, let's continue to do what worked in the first half, continue to run plays, initiate the offense in different ways, get guys the ball in different spots, these types of things. And, And that just hasn't happened in the fourth quarter. And it's been a lot of guys just watching Ant dance with the basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he was, you know, still pretty efficient three or five in the fourth quarter, eight points, only one turnover. Um, you know, you'll take that from Ant in the fourth quarter, certainly, especially without the five run that he had late. But, um, I think the biggest thing for Ant tonight, um, you know, is to not let that last possession put a bad taste in your mouth, right. For Anthony Edwards to get the ball in the backcourt with seven seconds left, leisurely walk into a double team. You know, a lot of times when you see stars, especially a guy like John Morant is one that comes to mind. They like to get the ball to him in the backcourt. So he has a full head of steam to just, um, you know, jetpack his way to the rim. 
And for the Wolves to bring Rudy Gobert that far away from the basket to set a screen to kind of invite a second defender, I didn't love that. I didn't love Rudy Gobert being on the floor on the last possession in general. I would have liked to see Nas Reed out there to, to give them maximum spacing and another shooting option. Uh, and a guy who's not afraid of the moment. Uh, but for Ant, what I really liked was that his playmaking sustained for the whole game. I think we've seen a lot this season of Anthony Edwards having individual quarters where he's got four or five assists, maybe in the first quarter or the second quarter, and then he only has one or two assists for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And I, I think tonight, like you said, you know, he had six assists in the first half, had six more in the second half. Uh, he had 12 assists tonight. I believe that is a career high for Anthony Edwards, breaking uh, his previous high of 11. Um, and for him to only have, uh, what do you have, three turnovers tonight? Um, and, and two of them were just, oh, my God, when Binyama's right there, you know, those aren't things that you're going to see for the rest of the season that I think it's it's certainly not something I'm going to hold against him. Um, but I really like the way that uh, he he balanced his scoring and his playmaking really nicely in this one. I thought he kept the defense off balance with the way he was attacking uh, to score and also attacking to create for others. And what I mean by that is Ant really likes to get to certain spots on the floor where he can jump and, and make corner kick passes or, or get to certain spots on the floor, like the elbows where he knows that there's going to be a help defender and he can draw that help defender in and then make a, make a pass out to a teammate either uh, for a three or for them to be able to drive the lane and then finish inside or, or mm-hmm. keep the ball moving and keep the defense scrambling. And I thought he did a great job all night uh, tonight. He was great passing the ball from the middle of the floor. And, and that's something you just want to see, uh, you know, him be able to continue and, you know, 30 point, 32 points on 12 of 18 shooting, right? That's obviously great. But then when you look at his assists, right, he had, he had 12 assists. What I really like is that 10 of them came inside the arc in, mm, in that interesting. It, it was a lot yeah. of, you know, finding other guys. He, he had four assists to Carl, which is something we saw a lot of two seasons ago and not quite as much with the introduction of Rudy Gobert. He had two more assists to Rudy Gobert tonight, which is what you want. Um, and then and then had two assists to Nasri, which again, situation where passing to to Nasri and he's doing a great job of of then attacking a scrambling defense off the dribble, right? And so um really like to see that from Ant. And when you think of the fact that you know he had 58 points that he created tonight, um 38 or 32 he scored and, and 26 he assisted off of, which um I don't know if that's a season high off the top of my head. It's something that takes a little bit of time to look up. Um, but I would imagine that that's right there in one of his two or three best games of the season. And so I, I don't really blame Anthony Edwards for, for much of anything in this game. That last possession was honestly disappointing. But uh, one of the best games of his season so far and, and one that I think he should certainly feel good about going into a really important game uh, against Oklahoma City on Monday, especially mm-hmm. when you consider that, that coming into this game for Anthony Edwards, uh, you know, he just hadn't been ant right right he had eight assists and seven turnovers in his last two games uh and then shooting the ball he's 19 of 51 37 in the last two games even though he's had some really good scoring numbers and he was only six of 17 from three uh but tonight again 32 points 12 of 18 shooting uh he was six of 10 inside the arc he was six of eight outside the arc so just a really good shot mix for anthony edwards i thought he took a lot of really efficient shots uh, made good decisions with the basketball. So certainly one of his better games this season. It's just a bummer that, you know, the Timberwolves weren't able to get enough from from other guys and, and Chris Finch wasn't able to string together uh, rotations that that made sense and was able to to help get this one at the finish line before the before the Spurs were able to to take the lead. 
Yeah, you don't want to say wasted game and performance. Not wasted, but obviously just not the same. Doesn't hit the same, right, without the win. Obviously, uh, Carl Anthony Towns knows that better than anybody, putting up 62 and, uh, you know, obviously getting a loss for Charlotte as well. Uh, Good breakdown, though. Love that. Uh, Quick look at the rematch versus OKC coming up on deck before we get out of here. And that's all coming up right after this. Quick reminder, tonight's episode brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more with America's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Right now, new customers, you're getting $150 in bonus bets when you place any $5 wager. That's $150 in bonus bets when you throw down just $5 on any bet. You don't even have to win. This promo was made for a guy like me. I know you're going to love it too. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, no better time to get in on all the action, the app, so easy to use, and they got everything you need. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, over-unders, you name it. They got it. FanDuel's got everything you need to bet on the entire NBA season, and it's by far the easiest and simplest betting app to use. Go check it out for yourself. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on today. America's number one sportsbook. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. All right, schedule coming up in the next few games now. OKC, that'll be their fourth road game in a row. By the way, what the Spurs did, I wish we had enough time to talk about the Spurs. I always like to take a quick 60 seconds, talk about the opposing team. What the Spurs just did, playing on the back end of a back-to-back, they had OKC and then the Wolves tonight. What they just did, man. Um, Greg Popovich, man. I wish we had more time. Um, OKC, though, that'll be their fourth road game in a row. Back at home then for three straight Mavs, Magic, Rockets. All right. Obviously, OKC is the one on everyone's mind when you see that stretch there, right? But how much does one win change the whole perception of this team, get their swag back? You talked about confidence so much at the top of the show. Get their confidence back with a win. I just want your sneak peek preview here real quick before we get out of here. What you're looking forward to the most and what the Wolves' probably biggest challenge is going to be then Monday night. And again, what a win would mean for just the psyche of this team right now. Yeah, I think it would be huge, right? Uh, you know, we, we thought that they might have turned a corner with with their last win over right. over Brooklyn just to kind of get two in a row again, feel feel good coming into, you know, another game that you you thought you would have won. All right, you've got three wins in a row, kind of a good on-ramp to this Oklahoma City game. But, but now I think that this team is just going to have to have a different level of focus, right? And they've got to know that it doesn't matter what we do in the first quarter, second quarter, or third quarter if, if we're going to play this way in the fourth quarter. And I think trying to have a heightened sense of awareness of, uh, of valuing every possession will be important against an Oklahoma city team. That is excellent at turning other teams over. They're excellent at scoring points off turnovers. They are an excellent fast break team. I think that they're very good at a lot of things the wolves struggle with. And so in those types of games, you, you already have to have more attention to detail, uh, kind of adhere to the game plan as best you can probably focus on those things more than you would in, in, in any other game. Uh, but I'm really intrigued to see that the Anthony Edwards versus Shea Gilgis Alexander matchup, uh, especially after some of the post game comments Ant had, uh, some of the social media posts that Shea Gilgis Alexander has made in reference to said post game comments and, and the way that this will this will kind of be built up. But I think it does lose a little bit of its luster now that the Wolves are are slipping a little bit. But uh, I, I really want to see the Wolves get big and, and dominate inside. Uh, they're, they're much bigger than this Oklahoma City team. Oklahoma City is one of the three or four worst rebounding teams in the league. So if the Timberwolves can uh, 
can sustain uh, the rebounding, which is something that they've done very, very well over the last 10 games or so. I think that that's going to be really important. Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert have been the best rebounding duo in the league over the last week, 10 days. And so you really hope that they'll be able to kind of hit the offensive glass hard and, and create some second chance opportunities because this Oklahoma City half-court defense is very good and one that's going to be very difficult for the Timberwolves to score on. And so they're able to generate some more offensive offensive looks through second chances. That'll be really important. But got to limit turnovers, got to create second chances, um, and got to keep, got to run Oklahoma city off the three point line. They're a team that can, can get pretty hot from three. If, if you don't, uh, if you don't run them off and don't pay attention to shooters. And that's exactly what happened the last time they were in Oklahoma city when, uh, you know, that game was, was pretty much over <laughs> early, early in the second quarter with the way Oklahoma city was shooting it. So certainly you'd like to make sure that it's, it's a four quarter game and, and they'll be in it right, right at the end with a chance to chance to go win it. Yeah, well said. Wolves let this one slip away on the road versus the Spurs, 113-112. They dropped a 32-13 and on the season. Back on the road versus OKC and the Thunder tip-off on Monday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. As always, huge shout-out to everyone that joined us in the postcast. We'll be back each and every game, same time, same place right here. Go check out the uh, the uh, brand-new uh, Basketball Party episode. Sam Ekstrom, Gophers legend, Ron Johnson, Carol Evans, Reggie Wilson. New episode that just dropped a few days ago. Ben Beacon ripping it up over on the Locked on Wolves podcast each and every day as well. That'll do it for us tonight, though. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Until next time, signing out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 